Hey y'all, welcome to the Nuestro South podcast. My name is Tania, coming to you from somewhere between Portland, Oregon and Woodstock, Georgia. I am joined by my fellow host, Jonathan. Hey y'all, this is Jonathan, coming to y'all from Beaufort Highway in Georgia. And Nancy. Hi y'all, this is Nancy, coming to you from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And Allison. Hey everyone, this is Allison from Lexington, Salem, North Carolina. And today we're going to be taking a look at Nuestras Comunidades, how Nuestra Gente builds community across the South. Today I'll be talking a little bit about suburban soccer leagues in Georgia and how I've seen them build community amongst Latinas in the area and across multiple generations. So I chose soccer and specifically suburban soccer leagues because I grew up in the suburbs and I witnessed a lot of Latina communities build community this way. I spent all like my Saturdays with watching my dad and my uh, brother play soccer with family. And there are two leagues specifically that I've had uh, experience and contact with over the years that I wanted to share their stories um, because I think that their interactions and just the fact that they exist say a lot about how communities come together and seeing the differences and comparing contrasting these two leagues is really indicative of how Latinx communities have really changed over the years, specifically in these suburbs in Georgia. So the first one that I wanted to talk about is a soccer league that was called Torneo Amigos that uh, was happening in the mid-2000s. And it was organized by my dad and my uncles. And they were all going to these uh, Spanish masses in Holy Cross Church in Atlanta. And that church had a soccer field and they let a bunch of community members and people who were attending mass play Saturday, play soccer there every Saturday for a few weeks. Um, and they ended up uh, handing out trophies. It was like first, second and third place for each team. They also had like MVP and goleador, which is the person who scores the most goals. Um, they like made custom jerseys. The trophies were customized. And basically how it worked is that each team paid to play. And that's how they funded all these like custom trophies and jerseys. And all of them were older men. Like my dad played, my uncles played, and uh, like some of my older cousins and community members. And But all our families would still go, like all the kids would go and watch like our dads play. And our moms would make food and it was kind of like a picnic potluck kind of thing. So it was really everyone was coming out to these games. And that was like the, my first memory of people who were my family interacting with community members who we weren't necessarily directly related. Uh, and they were coming. This church was in Atlanta, but people were coming from, you know, Roswell, Dunwoody, Alfreda. So it was really just getting connected through this one church and through these soccer games. And this league lasted for about two two years, like two seasons. Uh, it was the older generation that was organizing these events and getting people together through word of mouth and through like the announcements during mass. And it for them to have a big enough turnout with enough teams to be a tournament, that's why they had to reach out to also different suburban communities through the work that they, like if they work together, that's how they also spread the word about the games. And that brings us actually to the next league that I wanted to talk about that happened 
a few years after this. So this one only lasted about two seasons. But then this next league, uh, it has lasted over 10 years. And it actually is made up of a younger generation of Latinx soccer players. And it's uh, based in one particular suburb uh, in my hometown in Roswell. And I just know most of the information because I know them personally. My brother played with this league, my younger brother. Um, and recently they've be- had an online presence on Instagram. So like I said, my younger brother began playing with them. Um, and it was just made up of him and his friends in our apartment complex. And they started playing when they were like, I think in elementary school and with all like even the older kids in our neighborhood, they all just started playing together. Then they started playing with kids in other apartment complexes that were like near us. And in, in to provide context, Roswell is over 70% white as a city, but right off exit seven, there's an area that's like five or six different apartment complexes that is all basically Latinx and or black individuals who, and these were the kids that were playing soccer together. And really like the biggest contrast again is that the first league at Holy Cross were older, uh, like kind of heads of families who were bringing their whole families every Saturday for this these organized games. This other league is just these kids who were friends who after school wanted to play together just amongst themselves. And what I think is really interesting is that there were official like youth soccer teams that were organized through the Parks and Rec Department. Um, and the the kids that were playing in the apartment complexes weren't necessarily going into these like youth soccer leagues that were like it's more official and had uniforms and everything. Um, at one point, my brother was able to play with one of them. But when we were going to those games, out, it was all in English. Uh, it wasn't like all families were coming out. It was more like the stereotypical like suburban soccer mom kind of feel. And the demographics were more kind of like the city of Roswell. And the kids who were playing in these official leagues were majority white. And the reason I think for this is I saw that there was also a lot of like fees that you had to pay to play in those leagues that my parents like couldn't pay after a certain while, which is why my brother only did a few seasons there. And whereas with like this informal league that we're playing within within the apartment complexes, it was all free and it was for fun and you didn't really need transportation. Um, So like I said, this league and these matches that are informal at apartment complexes have been going on for 10 years. My brother grew up like he's in like college now and they've been playing since they were in elementary school, these same group of kids. And now they've started an Instagram page called um, Soccer Every Day. It's at soccer underscore every day. And there's two Y's at the end. And there's like a photographer that photographs all their games. Um, And it's been really cool to watch them grow up because now some of them play on university teams. Two brothers were recently recruited to play in Mexico. And um, there's just been a lot of really cool community that grew out of that, that removed like financial and time restrictive barriers that the kids couldn't really uh, get over if they were joining these official park soccer leagues. So that, that's my story with these two uh, soccer leagues that have come up. And I just wanna know y'all's reactions and also just in general, uh, I know soccer is like a big deal in a lot of like Latinx families and communities. So. I'm usually a spectator, but I don't know if what y'all's involvement in soccer within your your communities has been.
I mean, I definitely, you know, grew up. I So me, myself, I was never like a big athlete. I was never, you know, part of the Bala's life culture. But everybody around me definitely was uh, here in Georgia, right? In Metro Atlanta. Um, you know, soccer was what all the boys especially, but a lot of girls too, like what everybody looked forward to, um, you know, after lunch. Soccer is something that I think really ties people together. And what's been really interesting to see here in Atlanta, at least Metro Atlanta, is the rise of the Atlanta United soccer team, right? And I think that, that you know, the fact that we have our own like soccer team in Atlanta that is mostly like Latino players, I think speaks to how Latinos here in, in Georgia and in Metro Atlanta, like that culture around soccer, that love for soccer uh, has been growing in, you know, in pockets of our communities, like the ones that you described. And now we have our own like Atlanta soccer team. And I think that Latinos have everything to do with that. For me, when it comes to soccer, I relate a lot with Jonathan. My athleticism is kind of, well, it was kind of limited to middle school soccer team. And I also really connected with what you said about the cost of soccer, because even joining the team there, we had to pay for the shoes. And it was also the same for the basketball team, for the equipment, for the knee protectors and different things. And so for me, a lot of my fond memories were also playing soccer casually, playing with friends or family on the street outside my house. And yeah, the sense of community around soccer for me, it's been I think it's a lot about playing the game and even watching it, too. So, yeah, thanks for sharing. Yeah, I don't know if there's some type of correlation between being a storyteller and a lack of athleticism. But me personally, I only went to the games to see El Elotero too. Um, but what I heard from your story is like this innovation, like especially when you couldn't afford the fees, like the parents always found a way. Like siempre había manera that if you wanted something, it's just that love from your family that they would try the hardest to make that possible. And I think that just relates to so many things outside of football too, like whether it's access to education, access to basic resources. I think it just symbolizes the love in our community, the hard work, um, but also just how like our culture still survives in these small spaces that I remember when I was a kid, again, I would not be playing, but I would be sitting on the sidelines. But I would just see kids playing football with a rock or a bottle. Like they still kept their, that culture alive in any way possible. And like, that's not magic, that's innovation. And like, I, I just think that's a beautiful part. Yeah, I mean, like, I remember, like, they were playing with the same, like, beat-up ball, like, for weeks and weeks until, like, they would get the money together to buy another one or someone's dad would, like, buy a new one. Um, but also, yeah, like, I, I never played, and I think um, if anybody from my community is listening to this, it might seem kind of, like, weird or, like, ironic that I'm talking so, like, highly about soccer because it, I always look kind of... I was kind of a hater, to be honest, because it's, like, <laughs> it's Saturday, like, I can't do anything. I have to, like, go watch my brother and my dad play. But um, But now I'm, like... I kind of see that cultural relevance and like cultural importance of having done that. Um, and, but also I just think it was like, you see a lot of also gender dynamics, right. Within these games, like where a lot of like the women were spectators or like in the, the older league, it was like the moms were making food and like bringing the snacks um, in that kind of way. So I don't know if like how y'all also see that play into to like soccer culture. I mean, like with the gender dynamics, like that really hits home for me because I mean, I think now that I'm an adult and, you know, I'm, I'm 
secure in who I am and everything. Like, you know, I play soccer here and there. I actually enjoy it. Uh, I enjoy playing soccer, especially when, you know, with the students that I work with, like high school students. But I remember, you know, part of me not wanting to play soccer and not really, you know, caring too much about soccer was I, you know, it's I feel like there's like a big masculine culture around soccer and just sports in general. And I just didn't feel masculine in the way that other guys were. Right. And I was a gay guy, too. Right. Um, and there's things there. Right. Around gender and sexuality. But, you know, I think I think I can understand and appreciate now that I'm an adult and I can enjoy soccer, like how it does bring communities together. And I think that it can really create healthy, you know, dynamics, like gender dynamics. And, you know, there's badass girl soccer players that can, you know, make boy soccer players eat dirt, you know, like and I think that there's so much positivity and just healthy dynamics that can happen in soccer. And that's something to nurture. But, you know, I, I get it now. I do get it now that I'm older. Same for me. I think when I was growing up and soccer was a lot of a boy's sport, like you would see soccer printed clothes or toys that were related to that. And so even from a young age, there was always a connection between boy and soccer. And then like growing up, I saw many things that also broke that. And I also kind of saw it as a way to embrace it. I was like, yeah, masculinity, playing soccer. And I was like trying to break that in my own way by playing it. And so I think it was pretty nice even being a little part of it. And the community around soccer for me, I was assigned to the girls team. And that was a team I played on because there wasn't a really an option to cross between teams. And there was a really good sense of community of being one of these players who wasn't a boy and still doing good. So I think it showed that you can succeed, even if it's not how you're seen to succeed originally as someone who's not supposed to play the sport, quote unquote. Yeah, I think this um, correlation between gender and tying it into the sport is very interesting. Like, I just remembered how when I was younger, like, I would try to connect with my dad or try to get closer to him, like, by watching football games. Um, even though, did I understand what was happening? No. Like, I just saw a ball being kicked around. But, like, it was just, like, I always him getting excited. Like, it was something that we enjoyed together. And I think that just ties back into the whole idea of community. Like you would see las mamás trayendo comida, las aguas, you know, the dads acting like coaches on the sidelines. Um, and you just see like the whole community coming out and just really celebrating like culture through the sport. And I just think that's a beautiful way to keep something alive when you're far from the far far from your original home, you know? So I think it's a beautiful, it's just a beautiful practice between different generations. And it might mean different things. You know, for the older generation, it's keeping that sense of community alive, while in the younger generation, it's keeping those practices alive. Right. And I think like with, you know, bringing community out, kind of like uh Jonathan said, like in Atlanta, like once Atlanta United, like became like an official team and you know mercedes-benz stadium was like built when there's a game like all the like latinas come out to the city like wherever they're from like and you just see that there and actually like i mean that's a men's team but when i moved to portland they also have like a pretty big like women's team the thorns and they also have like the men's team the timbers and i'll see like the community come out like kind of both in like both senses which has really been um cool to see um but like that also just makes me you know, wonder, like, 
uh, Allison and Nancy, I know y'all aren't from Atlanta. Like what the, like, I guess like major league soccer or just like big soccer uh, events that happen or uh, in, in your community? Yeah, so just to show y'all how much I actually don't know about soccer, I know none of the teams, I know none of the rules. Like, you could say something completely fake about the game, and I would believe it. Like, I would eat that up. Um, But I do know that, like, those are very, like, popular events. Like, even I would like to go to one. Like, do I, would I ever play the game? Like, maybe not. Um, But I think I would just enjoy, like, the adrenaline of it, the energy of it, just because, like, I think there's so much patriotism, like seeing everyone in their colors, like, I don't know. I really do think it's a way to connect to the culture. And like, even if like I have no like sense of enjoyment for the sport, like I just love like the connection to to culture with it. Yeah. Same, Nancy. To be honest, Danielle, as soon as you asked that question, I opened a tab and I was like, oh, soccer events in Winston-Salem, what's going on? And to be honest, I think it also shows that not much came up when I searched that up. But yeah, I also really appreciate the community of soccer. And as a student who's, as a stu- or someone who's still a student and still in school, I think a lot of it is mostly school soccer. So seeing the team play and then it's a nice way to connect with friends and like see someone in a different environment playing soccer. So that's how it is for me. Right. And maybe like, uh, like there's, y'all don't know like the teams or anything, but, um, or like, I know some states don't have soccer teams, like with the, you know, major league soccer, but Mexico will visit, like the Mexican national team will visit. I remember like before Atlanta United was a thing and like Chicharito would come everybody wanted to go see Chicharito or like, um, and the Mexican national team. And like, that was such a big deal here in Atlanta as well. Um, and like, I, I also like never, I always wanted to go to the games and my dad would be like, well, I only got tickets for me and your brother. Why do you want to go? You don't even like soccer. I'm like, well, I want to, I want to be invited. (laughs) Like I get FOMO. Um, and I just, yeah, like y'all said, it's like a community thing and it's like, becomes like a big deal and a big cultural event. And let's be real. Like, some of the players are kind of fine too, like, <laughs> like you know, it's it, it's fun to watch. Um, so you know, I think that we can all get something out of soccer at the end of the day. <laughs> no snaps for that. I completely agree. Like, honestly, like I know my brother has like had posters of the soccer players on his wall. Like, I would too, honestly. Some of them, like, they were cute. They really were. I liked what uh, you had said. I think I think it was you, Nancy. You talked about how you know, like. Even even the way that kids, you know, will find a bottle, will find, will use the same beat up ball to play too. Like it just shows like how innovative we can be, and I think that that's a big part of why soccer is so popular in our community. Like it's it's an intense and fun game, but anybody could play it. All you need is something to kick around and a group of people to run around with and kicking the ball around, right? But you know, it's it's accessible. It's accessible, and um, and somebody had said something about you know how it keeps us tied to our identities too, to our cultures, to our countries. Like many of us maybe haven't been to our family's countries, but we feel this patriotism around like this flag and this country that these teams represent. And so I think that, you know, soccer keeps our cultures alive in a lot of ways that, and keeps us connected to our homeland, even though we might not visit that often or at all. It's, it's part of keeping us proud of who we are in a lot of ways. Right, yeah, and I really appreciate everything, um, like, everyone has said and how, like, that it's been important to your communities. And I, I know, like, 
taking these two soccer leagues that like I knew very briefly are is kind of like trivial like of course like within the Latinx community like we like soccer you know what is the big deal about like these two teams but like seeing how this older generation like mid to late like 2000s they had to get and do work like word of mouth and connect to different communities to get enough players and had to do this through like the catholic church and use like church spaces that's what like connected everybody um and that only lasting two years while this younger generation was just like school friends in one specific like suburban area without any funding has now continued this for over like 10 years and like kept it going through social media I just think it's really cool and I think it's all reflexive like it all like shows one that like there's an increased presence of Latinx communities in the Georgia suburbs that we don't have to like stretch ourselves to like be connected to each other to how we're now like within digital spaces to increase our visibility and like sustain our communities and these events. But, and also like through that there are very, like there are a lot of financial and social differences amongst like the POC residents versus like the white residents, at least in the suburbs where I grew up. Um, so I, I really like appreciate everyone's insight on that too. And wrapping up, uh, thank you all for tuning in and be on the lookout for our future episode. This episode was for all my folks in Woodstock, Georgia and in Roswell, Georgia. This was for y'all and we need to take control of our narrative. If you'd like to stay connected with our stories, make sure to like, share and subscribe. <laughs>